Thanks for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. We pray that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith in Jesus. We are happy to provide this resource to you, but as you know, this alone cannot meet the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we hope you'll be able to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. Or if you're not in the area, give us a call and we'll do our best to help you find a good church to visit. For now, here is this week's message. So, growing up, I lived about 30 minutes away from this park, uh, amusement park called King's Dominion. Very similar to Carowinds, just better, right? One of those things. And of course, as a high schooler, this is one of those places that everyone wanted to go. And so we went. There's just one thing. I was the purse guy. I didn't ride roller coasters. And this is what I looked like every single time we went. And remember, I was a tough guy. Here's my picture. I was pretty awesome back then. There it is. Yeah, I know. Pretty cool. And I'm thinking, Rocky, do not take pictures of that. And now here's the deal. I'm thinking about bringing the frosted tips back. I liked it. So I was a tough guy, and this is what the tough guy looked like at the amusement park. It was horrible. I would pay $80 to go with my friends, gather all the purses, and stand at the end of the line wearing jeans, sweating, looking like I just got out of the gym because it's hot. And remember, this was before cell phones with internet. So I wasn't sitting there scrolling for an hour. I was sitting there just holding purses for an hour. If this looks, does this look ridiculous? It feels ridiculous. But in those moments, there is one thing that is far more important to me than anything else. There was one thing that was controlling me over anything else. Fear. Fear. You ever been scared? You ever been worried? Have you ever allowed the fear of the what ifs and the what mights plague your life and your decision making? Maybe for you, you've been so afraid to fail, you never challenge yourself. You don't step up. You don't get involved in ministry because you might make a mistake. Maybe you're afraid of rejection, so you don't really get close to people. You won't join that small group. You won't join that Sunday school. It's not that you're busy. It's that you're afraid to really get to know other people. Or maybe... You fear being exposed for who you really are. Maybe as an imposter, you're afraid that people are going to look at you and think, or you think that if people really knew you, they'd never like you, they'd never trust you, they'd never be a part or accept you. So you eternally fight with yourself all the time about not being good enough. Or maybe you're afraid of just missing out in life. Maybe you're one of those. So you never make plans. You never make commitments. You, you aren't seen as someone who follows through because you're afraid the next thing might come and you might miss out. Or maybe you're afraid to lose what you have. 
So instead of risking some things to have a better, more fulfilled, more abundant life, you try to keep it all. Can't let anything happen to it. You see, we all carry purses of fear. And oftentimes, it's just hard to identify and be honest that what's really going on is we're scared. Because fear wants to lead you. Fear wants to shape your life. And fear leads to avoidance. One scholar says this. He says avoidance. He says avoidance in turns translates into evading challenges and missing opportunities for learning and growth. Eventually, it could lead to social isolation, professional stagnation, and spiritual lethargy. And that's where some of you are. And chronic dissatisfaction with life. And the hardest thing about this topic is first admitting that what's actually going on, what's actually happening in our lives is that we're scared and we're fearful. And what I know about fear is you will have so many great excuses on why to live that way. You have the justifications, you have the reasoning, and you've convinced yourself that it's the right thing to do while other dudes are riding roller coasters with your girlfriend. Yeah, that's what happened to me. But we're saying we know we're right. We, we, we got this. We have this. But the truth is, if you allow fear to control you, if you live as the purse guy, you are going to sit back and miss out. You're going to watch everyone else enjoy life and experience what Jesus calls an abundant life in him. Look at what Jesus says in John 10.10. 10. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them, that's you, that's me, we're them, a rich and satisfying life or an abundant life. Christ came to give us more life, not take it away, not to sit back, not to be scared, not to be nervous, not about the what ifs and the what mice, but to give us life. And I don't want you to miss out on an amazing life in Jesus Christ. More importantly, he doesn't want you to miss out on things he's already taken care of. Things that he wants you to experience because he has, and I believe, a plan and a purpose for each one of us. He says, I got this. He wants us to thrive. You see, Jesus wants to lead you and me somewhere. He wants to take each one of us to his plans and purposes. And here's the deal about following, right? That's the topic of our series. If we are following, that means he is leading and we are not but many of us want to take control of that wheel, don't we? We want to be in charge. We want to lead. But here's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to lead you to where your faith overwhelms your fears. He wants to lead you and he wants to lead me to where our faith overwhelms, is greater than, is bigger than. It's not that these don't exist. It's that our faith in who Jesus is and what God has done is so much greater. We can't help but move forward. You see, Jesus never promised us life would be easy. He never promised his followers that you'd have a pain-free, problem-free, sin-free life. He never promised that bad things wouldn't happen. 
He was aware of fear. He was aware of bad situations and he dealt with it and hit it head on. In fact, we're going to look at, we're going to jump into a conversation with Jesus and his 12 apostles or disciples. These are the inner circle of Jesus' followers. These are the ones he sent out to carry out his mission. And and look at what he tells them, Matthew 10, 16. He says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be, not might be, you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. So who's doing the sending? This is very important. I am sending. Jesus is doing the sending. He's saying, I want you to go. I'm telling you to go. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. You're a follower. I'm the leader. And Jesus says, as my follower, I'm sending you into this environment. And talk about a strange orientation class. How many, would you keep, how many of you would keep following Hey, I'm sending you out and you're going to get beat. I'm sending you out in in the synagogues. It's your Sunday school teachers, the place of worship. They're, they're, They're going to beat you. They're going to whip you. It's your first day on the job. Would you sign the dotted lines after that? He peers into their future and said, this is where you're going. Verse 18. He says, you will stand trial before governors and kings because, because, because. You are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and the other believers about me. You're not only going to be beaten by your own people, you're going to the highest courts in the land. You're going to have to stand before the Gentiles. We know, yeah, I know, I know. Jesus would say, yeah, I know, I know they crucified people. Don't worry, you'll see that soon. But you're going to go stand before Rome. You're going to stand on trial. You're going to go to court. You're going to be prosecuted. This is going to happen to you. Why? Because you're my follower. Because you follow after me. On account of me, this will happen. He says, but you get to share your faith. I never learned that evangelism tactic in school, by the way. They never taught us this one. He says, but it's it's okay, but then you just tell them about me. He says, so when? Verse, Verse 19. And so when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it is not who you will be speaking. It's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. And so I can't imagine what they're thinking in this moment. They're saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to be beaten by my own people. I'm going to be arrested and taken before the highest courts in the land. But you think what I'm worried about in that moment is what to say? That's the last thing I'm worried about. Out of of everything you just said, you think I'm worried about what to say? No, no, no. What does beating look like? Are you being figurative, Jesus? I mean, do we have to go through this? 
So I care about a God, excuse me, I'm serving a God who cares about these little conversations. He's going to help me in the speaking part. And if he cares about me, how about let's just take away the beating part? How about let's take away the whole court part? I can get beat up. I don't want to go to court. How about that, Jesus? But how about just stopping bad things from happening? How about that? Don't worry. I wasn't. Till now. Verse 21. Jesus isn't done. Oh, and by the way, a brother will betray his brother to death. Family's going to get messed up. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. This is why you need to turn off the news and read your Bible. He's already told you. We're not going to be popular. He's already told us this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so talk about killing the excitement. You're going to be hated by just about everyone because you follow me. He says, here's why. Verse 24. Students are not greater than their teacher. And slaves are not greater than their masters. Students are to be like their teacher. And slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called, uh, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. Translation, and listen, please pay attention. This is so important. You are not more important than Jesus. You are not better than him. And so because he's going through this, and he's going to go through even more, and he's saying, look, they're calling me little Satan. And if that's what people think about me, you can expect them to think the same about you. You see, you can't mitigate risk when Jesus is sending you into the risky situation and telling you, yeah, here it's going to come. But I got you. Hey, it's going to come because you're not better than me. The idea that bad things won't happen to us is not a Christian idea. It doesn't exist in the Bible. The exact opposite does. That as Jesus followers, because you're Jesus followers, get ready. Bad things may happen. In fact, he may send you directly into them. And if you avoid risky situations, if you avoid the what-ifs and the what-mights, you could be very well avoiding the very thing that God has told you to go do. Missing out. But we're followers. He says, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and that all that is secret will be made known to all. He says, don't be afraid. People are going to give threats. People threaten everything all the time. Don't be afraid of the what ifs, the what mights. Don't live in fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know everything that's going on. Everything that's concealed will be uncovered. Like he, what he's saying is, I got this. I've already told you. I'm in, it, it, it's fine. I got this. He says, but what you do do, look at 27. Here's what you need to do. 
Verse 27, he says, What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper into your ears, shout from the housetops for all to hear. He's saying, hey, what you need to do is get about the business of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in those hard situations, even in those difficult situations, the thing that needs to override all of your concerns, all of my concerns, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To which you say, yeah, but. You see, what is important is not what happens to you. What's important is the mission and the plans and the purposes of God. We don't allow fear to dampen our mission for Jesus Christ. As any soldier knows, and Paul compares us to being soldiers, as any soldier knows, a mission is always going to be risky. There's always danger. And we are on mission for Jesus Christ. We got to be about his business. And he says, don't be afraid. He tells us again, verse 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows and one copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your heads are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the what ifs and the what mights. Don't fear death. Don't fear what, be made what might be taken away. But rather, fear the one you're going to stand before and give an account for everything. Jesus says, can kill, destroy both your body and soul. You got to understand who we're serving. You got to step back and look at the bigger picture. People can do only so much, but God has ultimate authority. Pleasing Him and honoring Him needs to be the driving factor in our life. And the way we honor God is by prioritizing His purposes and plans. Saying, hey, you're first, I'm not. What you want to do is first. So don't live in fear, Jesus says. Don't worry about the what ifs and the what mights. Make decisions based off of God's orders and God's commands and mission for your life. Because bad things are going to happen, folks. But he's going to be right there with us when they do. You see, Jesus never offers a magical solution to life that everything's going to work out, everything's going to be perfect, and you're not going to go through hardships. The Bible never talks about things like that. I don't know where it comes from. But he does tell us he will be with us through it all because Jesus wants to lead you to where your faith overwhelms. It's bigger than, it's greater than, it's more important than your fears. And he's quite aware of the controlling nature of fear. He's quite aware that humans want to avoid risk and avoid discomfort. But he says, my mission is far more important than your comfort. You see, the end game of following Jesus is to have a faith. Excuse me. The end game of following Jesus is where your fears don't control you. They don't rule you. 
to where you live into your faith rather than fear, where you don't stop your fear from living, stop you from living the life he has called you to live. And think about it, if these disciples would have walked away, we'd have never heard about them. What would have happened to the gospel? We're not too sure. But we know they would have missed out on this amazing life in Jesus Christ. They didn't keep going. You see, Jesus offers you and me, he offers us this peace that can replace our worrying. And this faith that can overwhelm our fears. And he teaches this over and over throughout his ministry. If you you don't believe me, read one of the Gospels, Gospels and pay attention to fear. Pay attention to faith. He constantly teaches his disciples about this. Look what he says, Matthew 6.30. He says, why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about the things saying, what will he eat? What will he drink? What will he wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Jesus says, God already knows. The unbelievers are pagans in some translations. The people who don't trust God, they're the ones who are worried about everything in this world. They're worried about the tangible They're worried about this life, forgetting that God's in control of all of life. They're the ones who worry about this life and hold on to everything they have because they don't believe that there's something more to this life. They don't believe there's something after this life. They just want to keep and hold on to everything they have. But God wants us to be guided by faith, not fear. He wants us to be guided by faith, not fear. You say, God, I'll do whatever you want. Except getting on a plane. Like, I'm really scared of those. I don't like to travel. They're long. I get tired. My neck gets cranked. So, God, I'll do that. I'll do anything. There's not a plane. God, I'll serve and give you my life. I just can't move because my family's here and I grew up here and I know everybody. So, I'll do anything and everything. I just won't go anywhere ever. I'll give you part of my life. God, let your will be done at this career with this particular promotion I'm really trying to get. So I don't really have time for anything else. I guess this is what I need, God. But the truth is we don't actually ask God what he wants and what he's doing and how he wants to use us. We We tell him what we need. We don't ask him, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? But Jesus wants to take you and me to a place where our faith overwhelms those fears. And if God has a plan, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, he will get you there. There's a story in the Bible that you're probably familiar with. Jesus um, and his disciples on a boat and a big storm comes. Look at this. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking in on the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus, what was Jesus doing? Sleeping on a boat in a storm. Hmm. At the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care what we're, that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the wave, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? 
Do you still have no faith? Well, this is easy, Jesus. Why am I afraid? Because we're about to die. This is simple. I'm in a boat, it's flooding, there's a storm, and I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I don't, I don't understand how you don't understand the situation we're currently in. Come on, Jesus, do we not have faith? That isn't fair. We're here with you in this. We're following you. We're traveling with you. Don't you see what's going on around? Jesus, how is that fair? Jesus, don't you see what's happening in my life right now? Don't you see what's happening at work? Don't you see what's happening with my kids? Don't you see what's happening in my marriage, in my health? Jesus, don't you see? Don't you care? And while this story is so familiar, and we get so puzzled by why would would he ask this of them? Why would he ask this of you? We forget the beginning of the story. Verse 35. As Jesus came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. The whole thing was Jesus' idea, folks. He's in control of the situation. And I know we think we're in control, but I got great news for you. You're not. He is. And if Jesus says we're going to the other side of the lake, guess what's going to happen? You're getting to the other side of the lake. It don't matter what the storm is. It don't matter what the boat's doing. Absolutely none of that matters. If Jesus says, we're folks, we're going to the other side of that lake, let's go. You don't need to be afraid in the midst of all that. Even though the storms may come, even though people might threaten you, even though bad things may happen, if Jesus wants you to get to the other side of the lake... You're getting to the other side of the lake. But they started worrying about the what-ifs and the look-ats all around them. And if this is what he asked them, why do you have no faith, and think about their situation, what in the world do you think he's saying to you and yours? What are you doing? Have you forgotten who I am? You see, I believe this, and I hope you believe this, that God is in control and knows what you are facing. As a follower of Jesus, we are saying that God is in control. He is God, I am not. I am his subject, he is my ruler. He's got this. In the midst of that storm, the thing is, Jesus wasn't surprised, he was sleeping. He knew there was going to be a storm. In fact, he led them into it. And the thing about being a follower of Jesus is we trust Jesus in those moments when we are actively seeking him, when we're actively following him, when we're getting on board with his plans and purposes. Yes, it might be scary. Yes, you may be nervous. But in the midst of that, he's saying, just take a nap. It's good. You're fine. I got you. All that stuff's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. What are you doing? Just take a nap. Rest with me. Come on. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, folks. You see, Jesus' message is not bad things won't happen. Don't ever hear that. He doesn't offer a pain-free, problem-free life. 
But he does tell us that in the moments of uncertainty, he is right there with us. And he's got us. And it'll be all right. Because if he's the one who's told us to go, then we'll get there. Because he is with us and hasn't forgotten about us. The Apostle Paul, some of you know, had faced a ton of difficulties being a Jesus follower. But he kept going. And in Romans, he asked these two questions, which are super fun to look at. He says, rhetorical questions, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Like if, if, if there's God, and then anybody else, what are they going to do? Like if God is on your side, what, what are you worried about? Verse 35, he says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Like we forget the gospel is what's important. Your house isn't important. Your money's not important. Your job isn't important. Like all the other things you want to name. What's important is that we are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. That the God of this universe came down to die for us, offers us salvation and redeems us and forgives us and saves us. Like folks, that's what matters. His abundant grace and love. He says, so can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have troubles or calamity or persecution or hunger or destitution or danger or threatened with death? He's like, if all this stuff happens to us, does that mean he doesn't love us? Folks, well, I know it's so easy to ask those in that tough situation. It's so easy to feel that God has forgotten you, that he's abandoned you, that he's like, like I, I honestly understand. But if God is for us, if you step out of that worry, if you step out of that anxiety, if you step out of that fear, which Paul does, and he says, can anything separate us? Verse 37, he says, no. Despite all these, oh, these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And listen to this. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Some of you need to memorize that verse. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if God loves you, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? He loves you. And if you're following him, he's got... Now, if you're not following him, that's a different conversation. But if you're actively pursuing Jesus, if you're on board with what he's doing in this world, his mission, his purposes, what are you worried about? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You see, the love of Christ enables you when you understand his love, the love of Christ enables you to face fears and conquer them. We are called overcomers in the Bible. We are called victorious. That means there's a challenge. That means there's a difficulty. And we overcome it. We become victorious. We conquer it because of Jesus Christ. Like, it's pretty awesome being a Christian. I'm just letting you know. Our faith is pretty amazing. No matter what you're facing, you can be victorious through Jesus Christ. 
The love that Christ has empowers us. The grace that Christ gives us motivates us. We understand that he is for us. Then what are we worried about? What are we nervous about? We serve a God who is powerful and is all-loving and all-knowing and kind and compassionate and merciful. And he's saying, I died for you. I've given you eternal life. So yeah, if you lose this life, it's all right. I got a whole, I got another one for you. It lasts forever. It's like, I got you. So come on. You see, the end game of following Jesus is he wants to lead you to a place that your faith overwhelms your fears. You don't have to let it control you. And as your pastor, I can assure you, I'm going to lead us and challenge us to live into a gospel-driven church, to live out our faith and have faith that overwhelms our fears because that is what the gospel is all about. Because God wants us to be guided by our faith, not our fears. God is in control and knows what you're facing, and the love of Jesus Christ for you enables you to face those fears and conquer them. And I remember when God put the passion in my heart for preaching and teaching. I remember sitting back thinking, well, how's that going to work? I had no idea. Never had pastor friends, didn't hang out with them, knew nothing about this. And remember, I graduated high school with a 1.52 GPA. You don't have to laugh at that. It's a true story, though. You can. And you're like, Brian, was that? No. Combined. I had a D average for my entire high school career. I was a go-getter, folks. I got after it. I was in electrical school, and I said, how in the world am I going to preach and teach one day? The only, book I've, the only books I ever read was Goosebumps back in fifth grade. That's the only ones I made it through. I wasn't a reader. I wasn't learned. I wasn't studying. I wasn't educated. I wasn't smart. I didn't even know where to start. And then we went to this church we got involved in. I saw this preacher named Daniel, and he was the most dynamic, the best speaker I'd ever seen. And all I did was go, oh, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do? Nope. There is no way I could ever do that. I was so scared. I was full of doubts. I was full of worries. I was afraid. I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to lose my friends because I'm going to be a pastor, and pastors are weird. I was afraid of going back to school because I failed the first couple of times. I didn't fail. I passed. If these are passing, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's where I'm at. They passed me, by the way, to get me out. Like, that's actually what happened. I was afraid of what everyone would think, and how would I ever find a girl who wanted to marry a pastor? I couldn't even be a real person. Like, I, I didn't come from a pastor's home, folks. I didn't even grow up in church. It's like I had no idea what to do, and God put this passion in my heart and well here I am you see following fear is a choice it's a choice you can identify it for what it is and choose to foolishly follow Jesus Christ instead you see, who I am today has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with the grace of Jesus Christ. My entire life 
is based, what he's done in me and perhaps you is 1 Corinthians 1.27. He says this, instead God chose the, the things the world considers foolish, that's me, in order to shame those who think they are wise. Folks, I was simply foolish enough to follow Jesus. And I tell you that because it's very important to understand, following Jesus will seem foolish to many people. The wise of the world will not understand. They won't get it. But let me tell you, the wisest thing you can possibly do is be a fool for Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing foolish about faith. It's about trusting Jesus, about trusting God. There's nothing foolish about risking it all for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, look what Proverbs 28, 26 says. It says, those who trust their own insight are what? You living on faith looks foolish to other. God calls that wise. You living based on your own instincts and your own instruction, God calls foolish. I'm telling you, the Bible's pretty awesome, folks. Because the big fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, which is what Jesus explained about fear standing before him one day. You see, folks, your fears are simply exposing your lack of faith and trust in God. That's what your what-ifs and your what-might-nots are doing. But Jesus wants to lead you to a place that your faith overwhelms your fears. So my question for you today is this. What purses are you carrying around? You make fun of me, but I bet you're carrying around them too. What fears are you worried about? What is your next step of faith? If you could do something and you knew you wouldn't fail, and you knew you would make it, what would it be? If you knew that bad things wouldn't happen, what would you step out and try? Because Jesus is leading you to take your purses, put them at the cross. You say, well... I'm probably not going to be hung on a cross, so I'll be all right, because my Savior was. And we drop our fears at his feet and say, even if they do happen, well, you got to figure it out, because I'm following you. And folks, if he can use someone like me, I can't imagine what he can do with you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning acknowledging that we are fearful creatures, constantly plagued by our lack of control in this life. Father, I ask you to help expose the fears in our lives that are stopping us from following you on this journey of faith. Help us see our excuses for what they are and take our next step of faith, no matter how scary we might think it is. We thank you so much that Jesus, who has supplied everything we need, has given us the assurances to be with us, to step out. Father, help us in our weak faith. Help us get over ourselves. Help us not take ourselves too serious and get out of our own way so we can experience the abundant life found in Jesus Christ. Father, we confess we often live in our comfort and fear. We repent from that today, and we boldly proclaim your kingdom is far more important than any kingdom we are trying to set up here for ourselves. 
precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you stand?